Welcome along to Scoreline Extra, the podcast that condenses some of the things that you heard on Scoreline this weekend from 2 to 6 on KCLR. Sure, it's every weekend. Coming up on this show, we'll be hearing from Kilkenny Camogie star Denise Gall, Carlo Minor Hurling manager Alan Roach, Martin Barry joined us talking about refereeing in Carlo, the live KCLR Macama Cup draw, Footgolf extraordinaire Stan Brennan joined us, Paulstown under 18 boxer Emma Keaton joined us. Davy Jones, as always, talks all things fitness. And of course, Joe Sheehan on Greyhounds. But first, we're going to start off with Denise. Welcome back to Scoreline. Now, I'm delighted to be joined on the line in the last hour of the show by Kilkenny Camogie star Denise Gall. I should say Kilkenny Camogie All-Star Denise Gall. One of the four Kilkenny senior players to win an All-Star. We'll be looking ahead at the championship for Kilkenny. Denise, first of all, thanks very much for taking the call. Yeah, no bother, Shane. Thanks for having me. Uh, also, second of all, congratulations on the recent All-Stars. People involved in, in team sports, they tend to be very modest. And I know when you were in with us for the Clash Act, you were quite modest about your individual accolades. But it must be a huge honour to be recognised in that way. Um, yeah, sure, of course. It's it's nice to it's nice to get, of course. But um, after a hard year, but like you said, I suppose um, we have bigger plans as a group. But look, they're always nice, I suppose, as well. But I won't dwell too much on it either. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd say the same thing. Um, speaking of kind of the the year in general, Kilkenny unfortunately fo- failed to qualify for the league final despite going unbeaten in the competition. It all came down to scoring difference in the end. How frustrating was that for you and your teammates? Um, yeah, look, we probably weren't going as well as as we could, and going down to play Cork, we didn't really know where where we stood after the first few matches. But um, look, we were just happy to get get to draw on the day, I suppose. And um, look, obviously with scoring difference, and that they went through. But um, look, we we're going to focus on Leinster Championship now next, and you know, um, like we I suppose we we got league final last year and and won won it last year, and look at probably the years of whole didn't go the way we planned so look we have bigger things ahead hopefully and you yourself being the free taker is that a huge responsibility like how does that responsibility sit with yourself um also look um I don't know I'm probably just used to it at this stage I suppose obviously you have days like today against Cork with the weather and everything it was it was a difficult day for a free taker but look I know in fairness it can it can bring you into the game as well I suppose so um, look I'm just just used to it at this stage like we've plenty of girls other girls there as well who can step up and take the freeze if having an off day so but um, no just, just used to it I'd say Yeah like uh, being at competing at such the high level that you have like we were having a chat in here before about the pressure that people must be under when they're in a stadium full of people they're all looking at them whether it be an NFL and you have the kicker whether a penalty in soccer or indeed taking a free in hurling do you ever feel that weight of responsibility on you like do you feel the eyes watching you or is it always laser focused on the game um, no, I think you're just focused. Look, at the end of the day, it's it's a, it's only a match as well, you know. Um, like it's at the time, it's probably the be all and end all. But you know, when you go off the pitch, your life life goes on as well. And um, look, yeah, you know, it's I just I suppose look, there is pressure. You probably more pressure on you're putting on yourself to get get the score rather than you know thinking about pressure from the crowd or from anyone else. So. 
And speaking of, say, kind of pressure, uh, being from, like, and representing Kilkenny, you know, there's a lot of pressure involved there, particularly when it comes to the championship. Uh, you missed out on the final for the first time in six years when Cork beat you in last year's semi-final. Coming into this now, is that a massive motivator to you knowing what happened there? Because it probably played a role in the All-Ireland victory in 2020, knowing that the, the three previous ones didn't go our way. But now not getting past the semi-final is that a motivator to not just get to the final but to do one better yeah look obviously I suppose you use games like that and matches like that to, to motivate you but um, look last year probably just didn't go I suppose we were kind of getting through matches there without probably playing as well or you know things just didn't really click for us last year and we're just kind of hoping this year to, to move on from that and to you know there's a lot of I suppose girls after leaving the panel for one reason or another so just to I suppose to build on build on last year and hopefully get back to the final I suppose it's the aim and look hopefully when we get there we can we can do the business but look we'll just take it match by match and Leinster Championship folks on first and yeah so you've been involved in the setup for a long time now and we know that Throughout the grades, that there is some great things coming through. Uh, the what Mike Wall has done with the minors haven't been, hadn't had a great championship this season or anything like that. You're able to see and almost somewhat nurture and be used as a, kind of a beacon for people to be able to aspire to. Are for someone that's been in it this long and is seen as someone to respect and to replicate. Are you conscious of having to constantly have that hunger and drive? Is it still the same now as when you first threw on the black and amber jersey? Are you, constant, are you conscious of the responsibility that may be put upon you because of people looking up to you? Um, yeah, look, I suppose as players, if if you ever lose the hunger, it's probably when you're not going to go back, you know, that kind of way. But um, yeah, look, there's obviously, I suppose, as, we, as we're getting older, Kind of the more more experienced players in the group, you obviously have a added responsibility to, you know, to I suppose bring on the younger girls as well there. But look, um, there's there's plenty of good herders out there. Like they, there's a few younger ones after coming onto the panel now, and you know they they drive us all on as well. Like when they're coming in, and you know I suppose they come in, they don't care who they're marking, they're well able for anyone. And look, it, it kind of gives us an extra push as well. So not it is good good for Kilkenny, so it is. And uh, good for Tipperary. You've been fairly good for them uh, recently, uh, which just blew my mind. You had a stint playing football with Mullinahone. You helped them to County and Munster Junior Ladies titles. Unfortunately, falling to St. Jude's when it came to uh, All Ireland success. But how was that experience? That's a, that was a bit mad when we found that out. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Look, yeah, I told myself and Michaela went over there when the, when we went back to the club, went back to Wying after the club um, after the county finished up last year, and I suppose one of the girls just asked us would we go over and play, and look, it was a bit of extra training. We didn't think it'd be come to, I suppose, get us to where we did, but no, it's brilliant experience. Look, it's something completely different than. You know, going over, I suppose you're playing matches and there was no real pressure on, on us to, I suppose it's different to the Camogie, you're kind of going out always, you know, under some bit of pressure to perform, but look, we haven't played football in a long time either, so, um, <laughs> but I know it was brilliant now, look, the girls over there were brilliant as well, so um, they took us in with open arms, so no, it was, it was good out experience and look, yeah, we got, got it fine, but sure. Uh, dudes are, are, are a, bit, a bit too good for us but yeah no great experience 
Uh, the LGFA are doing great things as well. Do you notice uh, any contrast between the Camogie Association and the LGFA? Um, I, I think the Camogie are trying their best. I think they get a bit of a bad, maybe bad stick as well. But um, look, anyone who's working or involved is just trying their best to bring on the game as well. Obviously, the ladies' football with the TG Cahar and that, it gets a lot more exposure um, but looks great for the Camogie, I suppose, announcing the sponsor there last week and that for for the next few years. So look, hopefully, if if things if things go well and the amalgamation might happen soon, like that, just every code I told the football and the Camogie will just build and get stronger and stronger. Do you think that is the 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 way forward? That amalgamation has been touted for so long. I think so. Yeah, so look, looking at I suppose. There's the votes now from from the Camogie and the LGFA, so look, it probably is the I suppose the best way best way forward, and hopefully happens sooner than later. Anyway. Yeah, we've seen kind of from a rugby perspective, uh, kind of Munster pulling out of uh, something to recognise the, the the players as senior, which is which is quite strange. Uh, hopefully, that won't happen in in any respect. We see clubs like Dixborough adopting the one club rule recently, and the GPA seem to be all behind it. So it seems like it it, it will happen in the not too distant future. Oh yeah, definitely. Look, there's there's great traction behind it. I suppose, like you said, from with the GPA, um, so they got they amalgamated there last year, two years ago, and like mm. you know, it's probably made a big big help to even getting expenses and stuff like that for for us. Like so, yeah. Hopefully, as you said, it just happens in the near future. And uh, just getting back to Kilkenny Camogie, how's training going at the moment? Yeah, good. Yeah, look, um, it's going well anyway. So, um, so it is. Um, so oh, look, we're, we have a few weeks out from from Leinster Championship there. So we've, I suppose one one thing about not getting to the league final, we had we had a few weeks like to get a good bulk of hard training and done. So um, look, we're we're just going to concentrate on the next match against Wexford there in Leinster. So um, that's in a couple of weeks. But yes, all good. Yeah, and we know Brian and his family have been through a very difficult time recently. Um, but the people of Kilkenny and the whole GA community, they really rallied behind him to support him, and it's it just a testament to the the man that he is. Um, just the outpouring of love and support for Brian. Oh yeah, Jesus, it was un- unbelievable. I suppose look anyone who who knows Brian, like he'd do anything for any of us as well, and just to help him and the family out any any little way we could, like was was just I suppose like you said he's, he's just brilliant to all of us and look it was devastating for them but um, I suppose just to do any little bit we could to help um, help him through Yeah an absolute gentleman to deal with here on KCLR as well uh, Denise thanks ever so much for taking the time once again congratulations on the All-Star no doubt we'll be speaking to you once again as the season comes to its crescendo and hopefully we'll be able to celebrate an All-Ireland victory Yeah please God Kenny Camogie star Denise Gall. Next up, we'll be moving up to Carlo, speaking to minor manager Alan Roach. Alan, looking back on the game against Meath, you managed to get four goals at the last weekend. You must be pleased with the potency in front of goal. I hate delighted, yeah. Do you know the the lads have shown great character and since the the open day defeat Hansham and you know, and they're they're getting goals for we needed a couple against Antrim and work and didn't get them unfortunately. But we worked on them in the training since Antrim game and it's, it's it's working out, thank God, at the moment anyway. 
I was listening back to your interview there with Tommy Murphy during the week. I was doing up an article on it and you could just hear the delight in your voice. You can just hear how happy you... Not not for yourself, but for the players. And the quote that I took from that is, by God, did these Carlo men stand up. And it was just... I don't know, it brought a smile across my face when I heard it. And just knowing the sense of pride that you must have got from that victory. Oh, massively, massively, Shane. Um, you know, there was a lot of questions were asked of this team after the Antrim defeat by, and by myself and the rest of the management team to the panel of players that we have in, in with us this year. And by God, they, they, they answered them big time and they said, lads, the Antrim game didn't reflect on this bunch of players. And it was mainly them. They'd done all the talking since the Antrim defeat and the Hurland, they're doing the talking and the Hurland together. It's not really us. We're just there to try and guide them. But just it's the, it's the 32 on the panel are really doing all the talking and the hurling at the moment for us. And talk about hurling. That second half performance, like you were leading by three at half time. Meads were kind of getting into the game. And I didn't get to see it. I was just hearing Tommy's reports. But it was kind of two in the front. But you didn't allow them to get ahead of you quite uh, much. I think there was only ever one point in them any time they did get ahead, almost reminiscent of the way Shamrocks play. They get one, you reply immediately. Is that something that you're instilling in them? Yeah, yeah you know, like you know, every team is going to have their 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 piece of dominance during the game, and it's the it's the it's the character of the team to stay within, stay in the game when this when the other team try and get a small bit on top of you. And you know, Mead kind of got on top. It's just probably probably midway through this first half and then we got the first goal through Alex Delaney and, and the rest then and we they got another point and then we got another goal through Keane Keane Quirk and John went in then a half time up with three and we said lads let's go going home now from the start from the referee running the ball and then all the slap we got one three in the first four or five minutes and then the game was kind of we had a game kind of done with us to them we were kind of in shock at the way we came out at him in the second half and that, and that kind of won the game for us that those five or six minutes just after half time uh, Joe Birmingham was someone that stood out in your uh, team talk or the post-match talk as well and some of the great performances that he's put in in goal you're also quick though that he prays on the lads behind him the likes of King Campion and Sean Tracy the lads that are kind of pushing him to, to keep that jersey and keep his place in the goal which leads me to believe there's a lot of great great camaraderie within the squad there is a, they're, they're a great bunch of players like I think they're, they're together since they're under 14 and, and they kind of knew each other and they know other. most of them are there only probably four or five schools involved and they know each other through schools and being with Carlo and then playing against each other in school teams and Joe you know, like Joe's a great man but as I do emphasise it's it Joe done the job but it's, it's like it's the rest of the panel pushing the other players to keep hold of those that, that 1 to 15 jerseys and that's what's key at the moment like for us the panel are pushing the, the starting 15 to keep the jerseys which is great for us as a management team like it gives us headaches when we sit down on the on a Monday evening and try and pick the team for the following weekend you're making that kind of change then from say under 20s to minors you're involved with Patrick O'Flynn's under 20 hurling management alongside Adrian Corcoran is there much of a difference between the two the two uh, age groups not really, you know. You're probably well, just basically, you know, the under 20s will probably have more experience at adult hurling, like where these lads are, you know, they haven't come up to against kind of the adults yet. But no, they're, 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 there's not much in the difference. Like, they all, at the end of the day, they all want to wear that Carlo jersey, which is, is, which is terrific. 
and you know, with the under twenties last year, with Paddo and Adrian, you know, it was it was different. It was a group. My first step into inter county setup, which and uh, like it was a massive massive help to me going in this year with the with the Carlow Miners. I knew what to expect and I knew what to do. Hopefully, it's, it's at the moment it's working anyway. With myself, Brian, Sean, Tom, uh, Seamus, and 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 Damien. Thank God. And these young lads, though, at a minor level, like they're they're almost like sponges, aren't they? Like, is it somewhat harder to coach them because you know what you're instilling in them from a very young age could live with them for the rest of their playing career? It, 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 it could, but I don't want to go back with the, these these this panel we have. They're, they want to learn, which is, is is great, and you know, and they push each other every night in training and they go out and whatever else. Then they be talking to us and what to do outside the pitch between. You know, Harlan or with myself and the rest of the management team, or Bishop SNC with Seamus Comfort as well. So, do you know, they're 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 a credit to their clubs and their credit to their family. They just want to learn this bunch of affairs. There at seems, the moment, thank God. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of great competition for places there. As a manager of a of a soccer team who have some great players with us, it, some people call it a good headache, but it's it it it, it weighs on you when certain lads mightn't be able to get. You know, onto the team, and uh, they've been performing well in training. Do you find that a good headache, bad headache? How are you coping with that? I, I, I well, I find it a great headache to have. Joe you know, pushing like we when we sat down in January, we we looked at the panel and we picked thirty-two players, and we we kind of wanted the the other seventeen to where we're not playing to be pushing to start in fifteen. And I, I think it's a it's a it's a great headache to have sitting down now. Every Monday night when we do pick the teams, it's a, I, I really think it gives us a headache. And you know, and the, the lads that are not starting, they know that they're they're pushing the men. And if if the starting man doesn't get it, we know when we look around, we know we're not going to be weakening any any part of our our game at all. After the performance then last week, you, you have a break this weekend. What do you try and tell the players to do? Are they able to kind of have a bit of respite, have a bit of fun, or are they still having to focus? Because you have down in the next round in Abbottstown. We have to focus really. Like mm. at the end of the day, shame because unfortunately with the with the Antrim defeat, we we can't. That that was kind of our our first first stumbling block, and we can't have any more stumbling blocks. If we get more any more, if we lose any more game or Antrim or or Antrim are probably going to top the group, but you have Westmead and Mead are they're they're literally chomping at the bit to get ahead of us. And but it's up to ourselves now. We just are focused now on down this weekend and coming, and hopefully we get the two points. And then we'll at the end of it, it's in our as I say, the ball is in our court at the moment. If we get two victories, we'll go into the as we say the A side of the Leinster Minor Championship and play the. Because they're off your leash in the first round. Uh, you mentioned at the, end the, you, at the end of the year, just get to get in, get these lads because I think they're good enough to get into this ASI. They're a credit. It's, it's great to hear you mentioned Westmead there. Obviously, Carlo went up against Westmead yesterday in the other twenty Leinster Championship. Bit of a disappointing afternoon in Netwatch Cullen Park. It yeah, was unfortunately, one thirteen yeah, to two eighteen. Were you at it? I was, yeah. I didn't get just a, see. I, I know I know Adrian. Adrian is still there, and yeah. I know a lot of them last year. So I went in hopefully. Unfortunately, they couldn't just get over the line on the day. And despite that, like when we're talking to the likes of Tom and Lally from a football sense, Niall Carew, and we talked to the chairman Jim Bulger, it, the the sentiment is that the future is indeed bright for Carlo G. There's a lot of talk about transition and bringing in younger lads into into the fold, which we have seen, particularly in the football sense as well. As someone that's deeply 
ingrained within that uh, culture of bringing on the youth. Would you agree with the sentiment that the future is bright? Oh, um, massively. Massively looking at the, at the at what last year was under twenties and this year looking at the, the the game yesterday and looking what I have at the moment with the minor like Carlo Horan is, is is as I say it is on the rise with the quality that is there at the moment and that is true true massive they're they're a bunch you know they're great they're a great bunch of players coming the, at the moment I think anyway personally myself. And looking at down then next weekend, what are you expecting from them? Is there much? Do you know much about them? Do you get to know much about them when you have this kind of underage level and you're in the minor championship, or is it play your own game and see what they can bring? Exactly, because from where we are in the map of Ireland, we wouldn't see we wouldn't be coming up like like down Derry much, or we know a good bit about Antrim because they do be down in the Leinster Championship a fair bit at all underage level or down in Derry wouldn't be but no we'll, we'll just, we're just focused on ourselves at the moment get our get our, our own bits and bobs in, in place and we're going to go up there and hopefully we're going to attack down like we attacked every other team at, as, at so far this year and go up and hopefully get the two points and drive us on then and get focused on the, the last round no fear in you Alan thanks ever so much for taking the time to speak with us today no doubt we'll be talking again very very soon but we wish you nothing but the best not just against Down but for the remainder of the season and you look like you're you're onto a winning winning cause here so best of luck for the rest of it cheers thanks very much Shane thank you very much my pleasure and next up is Martin Barry discussing refereeing in Carlo. It's nearly impossible at the moment there, but it has, well, over the last couple of years it was impossible because of the core. You know, we're, we're stuck with a core of 23, 24 left, and it's very, very hard to manage with that, man. And we need to, you know, we need to train up new referees. You know, some of our referees have been at it for a long, long time. And if we, if we lose one or two, you know, like this year we have David Hickey going off for an operation tomorrow, which means we won't have him till maybe September. And losing somebody like that is enough, you know, it's an awful loss to us. We can't afford to lose any referees, but if we lose one even, especially the top of the range referee, it makes it very hard. Um, you know, recruitment has been going on for a few years, but we're not getting very, making any great progress with it whatsoever. We haven't had, you know, new referees coming on stream there now for a couple of years, unfortunately. You need four or five, maybe six every year to keep up the number possible because. If we train up referees, we say this year, they'll only be doing under 11, maybe under 13 at the most. Next year, they go to under 15, and maybe, under, depending on how well they get on, they go to under 15, under 17, before they progress into you know, senior or you know junior A, junior B, and things like that. So it takes about three years for a referee to come through the system, you know? And what do you think then is behind the kind of aversion for people getting involved in refereeing? Because it is a very uh, pressurised position. I've in a soccer context, I was having it out with a referee earlier on today, and there seems to be that kind of I don't know weird. It, it's almost like a disrespect. And I'm not saying I disrespected the referee or anything today, but there's almost seems to the, the pressure of a game going on at the time. Do you think that turns people away, or what do you think is turning people away? Well, it is. A lot of it is abuse. Like, I mean, the abuse that comes in from the line from mentors and from spectators, particularly at underage level, is beyond belief. Like, I mean, 
No, under 11, for instance, are core games. They're not even competitive games. They're supposed to be played in the highest spirits. And some of the team managers, you think that they were playing in an All-Ireland final. Like, and they think that it's quite acceptable to abuse their FD and call him every name under the sun. Just because he didn't agree with the decision that he made. The referee could have made 100% of a decision and the right decision, but go the mentor's way. So therefore, and then parents themselves can... You know, it can be tough on referees. It's not an easy job, and I have to accept that. Like, but people are going to have to accept that you can't. You know, them days are gone where you can. You know, there's big signs in all referees' jerseys now: give respect, get respect, and that's the way it should be. I mean, be human. Referees are only human. They're all only. You know, they're all amateurs like ourselves who are involved in the game, and they just cannot. You know, you make a mistake. Mistakes have been made in all Ireland, across counties all Ireland, but you don't go on that with referees. You know, it's no worse tomorrow than it is anywhere else. It's, it's, it's nationwide at the moment. Um, recruiting referees is a major problem at the moment. All over, every county in Ireland has a problem with it. You know? and, and something great that you mentioned there, give respect, get respect. Do you think sometimes that gets lost as well on, on both on both sides of things? Because it is a high-pressure situation, as I alluded to, and they are getting a lot of different calls from everybody all over the pitch from both different sides. Uh, sometimes you can get caught up in the heat of the moment. As a human being, you would be. But it, it, I, I've noticed that at, at GA matches, kind of referees refusing to engage with the players and having this very, very hard stance that isn't really responded to very well and across a lot of different disciplines with probably the exception of rugby as well. Um, is that something then that is kind of you're looking to negate when you're bringing referees through on a recruitment basis? Yeah, but uh, you know, you talk there about really respecting rugby. You'll get the same fellas playing rugby as playing Gaelic or soccer. Yeah. And they won't open their mouth to the referee in a rugby match. Not They wouldn't even think about it. And bring the same guy out half an hour after the Gaelic match and just because he doesn't agree with the decision, he decides to tell the referee what he thinks of it. And that that has to stop. I mean, we brought in a sound and, and silent initiative last year. There are 111. Now, that's yeah. been in, increased this year from the 15 and 15. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Like, I mean, you know, there's severe punishment now at the moment for at that level for not having respect for the referee, both by players and mentors and like like. And uh, as it it should be, and like I've been on the rugby pitch, I've been on GEA pitch, I've been on soccer pitches, and we mentioned the rugby, and you refer to the referee as sir, and that was such a foreign concept to me when I started that due to playing in different sports, but they do command that respect. Uh, And the Be Sound, Be Silent initiative that Carlo GEA are taking up, are you noticing, you must be noticing a difference if you're kind of branching it out to under 15 level? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it did make a slight difference last year now, but we did have a couple of... I mean, I'm on the CCC, and when the CCC has to meet, go something that another 11 match, it's it's a bad reflection on the club and on the mentor, to be honest with you now. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't have to have a meeting because of there was an incident at another 11 goal games. You know, it, it, it's, you know, this year, like, it might be slightly... Hopefully, it improved a bit last year, and hopefully this year, at under 13, another 15 level, it'll improve again. But, you know, unless people buy into it, like, unless, you know, clubs and mentors and spectators, now there's a bit of a change in the referee system that referees can now give a yellow card to a mentor on the line and if he continues to abuse them, they can give him a red card, So, which means he has to leave. 
that wasn't there before. That's only after coming in now in the last couple of years. So that you know, the referees complete control of the line as well as on the pitch. You know, but like they have enough responsibility without you know adding that to it as well. They shouldn't have. These referees shouldn't have to go over to the line give a fancy a car because of the abuse that he handled. No, it's not. It's not on. Like you know, Carlo have you know we have exceptionally good referees. We have more than our share of intercounty referees. If you look at it. The two hickeys, Paul O'Dwyer, Patrick Murphy, John Murphy from St. Mullins, and now Jim Foley from Kilbride, they're all on the on the inter-county panel, not on the national panel, but they're on the inter-county panel, like, and they they contribute a lot. They're missing a lot as well when we need them to referee our matches. They're away at inter-county level. But, you know, I'd like to uh, pay a tribute to John Hickey last night. Sorry to... On his hands and the before final last night, I thought he done a great job on it yesterday evening. And you know, we have good refereeing, but we need to recruit more. We just, you know, we have a meeting tomorrow night now to discuss it again. We have a course coming up in on Wednesday morning in Boris Vocational School, who has called Young Whistlers, and hopefully they will be doing under eleven games now. We hope to get into Tulla Community School and maybe Burris or um, Pakistan Community School and then we'll concentrate on the secondary schools in the town. This is all for transition year students. Um, hopefully they'll buy into it there. If we could train them up, what they call young whistlers, to do on their living games and they get, you know, they get a kind of an interest in it and then we'll fully train them up to do refereeing full, full matches. I mean, yeah, you know, there's 35, 40 euros for a match and if you were... At that age, you say 15, 16 years of age, goal games in particular, um, you get 20 euros for a game and you'll always be sure you're getting two games at the venue you're at. Now, I accept that transport is a problem at that age. You know, you have to accept that, that yeah. 15, 16 year olds have a problem with transport. But, you know, you could work it out with them. You take, for instance, if somebody was in Paris, you could send them to St. Mullins. It's not that far in the biker, it's not that far for somebody to drop them off. People in Carlow Town, you know, down to Palatine, out to Tinner Island, it's not rocket science to get out there, you know, that kind of way, or Tolo, out to Ballon maybe, or from Ballon to Tolo, or Tolo to Haggistown. If you wanted to, like, I know when I was that age, if I was going to get 20 or 40 euros for the afternoon, you'd get there somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, you mentioned the recruitment drive there. Uh, it's open, I'd imagine, to men and women, like we've seen oh, Pamela yeah. Hayden, Carlo referee, uh, she's progressing or progressed her refereeing career doing very well. I think she's the line woman's for Aeroke Street in a row victory over Palantine, but it's open to, to men and women as well. I think it should be important to note. Oh, yeah, Marion Hayden as well is there. You know, but I, I remember a few years ago we had a young girl from Hackerstown with her from, sorry, Ratfilly, who came in to referee and she was shaping up fairly well she was a girl now which was doing a match in Carlton Hurland Club I won't mention the two teams actually enough but the abuse this fellow was landing into her was unreal now and I really mean unreal and I went over to him and I said to him do you think that's necessary oh yeah, and you know the usual now and uh, I said have you a daughter yeah he said say what age is she oh, about 15 or 16 he said hey would you like somebody to be given that kind of abuse to her and I just walked away from him, you know, that way. So the girl never refereed after, and I didn't blame her. She left each crying, like, and he thought he was a great fella. That'll put refereeing out of her head, he said, for a long time. I mean, you know, that's what you're up against. You and know. the 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 B sound be silent thing. Then are you looking to be progressing? Obviously, you'll be looking to be progressing that, and hopefully, getting some type of respect. And 
as we said, respect goes both ways as well. So, <laughs> like you'll be you'll be hoping to see that kind of coming in, creeping into the senior ranks very very soon. Oh yeah, we'll extend it right up along. We just have to kind of like kind of an apprenticeship into it and move it along. We'll have to. It'll have to be extended the whole way up. And in saying that, like you know, we referees will have to have respect for players as well. You know, they work both ways. Like be sound, be silent, and be respectful. You know, ninety percent of the referees wouldn't open their mouth to a player, but you know, sometimes players seem to think that just because the free went against them or the decision is some kind, that it's all right to say what they like to him. But I don't like that. I've never liked it, and even the referee myself, I never liked the fella. I don't mind the fella saying what's the free for or what's that for, but that's about how it, you know if he says to him pushing or shoving or whatever it is, whether you agree with him or don't agree with him, that's the decision. He's not going to change his mind because you started giving him abuse, like you know. Yeah, my biggest thing was just uh, as a player, as a manager, was the the refusal to engage, uh, despite trying to do it within a respectful manner. It's just the refusal to engage with a player, and you know, I un- you'd understand that they're not going to change the decision. The whistle has been blown, but just explaining why that decision had come to that was always something that I couldn't get my head around. Yeah, but it needs to be a quick decision. I mean, you can't explain to everybody what every free is for. Uh, you know, players are not allowed to approach a referee after a match. Neither are mentors. Like, that's part of the game. It's part of the rules. And you know, people think they can go over to have a referee after a match and have a go at him. That we encourage our referees to leave the field straight away. The minute to blow the whistle, leave the field. You know that way. And uh, but but would engage it with like by making the referees somewhat kind of sacred in the sense that they're trying to get away from any like making them engage and having a discourse would do you not think that might be a bit more beneficial no I don't think so I don't because people won't go over and be courtesy to them they won't there's no need to go over to a referee after the match if everything went your way or only one thing the only reason that they approach a referee is to abuse them I've yet to see anybody coming an odd player a fellow will come over and shake hands with the referee and say well done that's enough but 90% of the time it'll be going over to have some words with him over some decision that he made. You'll see mentors and you'll see players at the end of a match running across to the referee. And they're not running across to shake hands with him, I can tell you that now. You know? Oh, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, Martin, so you're looking to recruit some players in, into it and as I said, we've kind of talked about the negative side of it but there are great positives we've talked to uh, Brian Gavin and we've talked to some great referees that refereed all Ireland's they can just say nothing but good things about it. obviously there is the negative things that we touched upon but there's great things that could be on the horizon for any burgeoning referees if they're wanting to get involved uh, how can they get involved? They can get involved by getting in, count- in contact inside in the county grounds or they can email me at murkbarrygmail.com and we will set up a course for them the first first couple of courses is done online so they won't have to enter the county grounds to do a course they'll be able to do their course from at home and when they have the first two courses done then we'll bring them in and go through the finer points with them before it doesn't take that long to become a referee once they're once they're done the course they're guard vetted then and then child officer and everything is sorted out and then once the garden vetting comes through then they can start working away straight away I mean, you know, there's not bad money for us. Like, I refereed for years and didn't get paid at all. But, you know, if you want to make a few quid, like, it's there. You know, some of our referees could do five, six games, maybe a week. Maybe not, but, you know, that's the way it is. Um, some of them maybe only one, do one, do two. But for they do, like, in fairness, they get paid for us in that season, you know. 
Well, Martin, thanks for coming on to discussing it and uh, no doubt we'll have it up on scoreline.ie and how you can get in contact with it. As I said, if you want to listen back to any of our archives with chats with referees, the likes of David Goff, Brian Gavin, one of the good things that David Goff actually put towards Eddie Scally on the Clash Act podcast was, when was the last time you read the, the handbook? When was the last time you read the rule book? And sometimes a lot of managers and players can get lost in the fact that they don't know everything and stuff is going to get called if you have a man behind the whistle that knows this stuff as well so it's a great yeah. important message of, of, of respecting referees respecting at the time that they're putting into to the game and hopefully we'll be successful in recruiting a few more just to go back to the rule book there you mightn't believe this but Crook haven't printed the rule book since 2017 I think they need one believe it or not send it out to every club send it out they haven't printed one since 2017 I used to them here. Most of the top referees will tell you going out to do a match that have a quick look at the book. Just a few things maybe they weren't happy about or after the game they maybe thought I got that wrong and they'll have a look at the book just to see. But they don't print the book anymore and they don't give it out. So, you know, we're training new referees and we're telling them, no, we haven't got a handbook to give you. But you'll have to work it out for yourself. You can't. You've no way of checking to see. They tell you it's online but who's going to bring a, a laptop to a match? Look it up, you know. The live Casey Armacalman Cup draw took place on Saturday. Here's who the team's got. It is now time for the second round draw for the KCLR McCalmont Cup. I'm joined in the studio by two gentlemen from the Kilkenny District League. John Corrigan is with me here. John, how are you doing, sir? Not too bad, Shane. Uh, absolutely action-packed weekend last weekend for the KCLR McCalmont Cup. There was six games going ahead. I know Booters played one a week before that against Stonyford. But some great results with most of the home sides coming away with a victory. That's right, yeah. I'd say if the prob- probably the passes here beside me, passes uh, Armand Villa. And probably their result was the one that most of the tips of didn't they beat Callan uh, Callan I think were tipped but other than that it kind of went with with Farham but it was a fantastic weekend for for Kilkenny with all the with the wins outside, outside in the outside competitions you know it was great yeah I was talking to Robbie after the game obviously we came in here after it and we're talking about the difference there is in league and cup football and when we play St John's which is an old rival of ours from Division 3 days um, just the there, there seems to be a different zip and a different mentality in a cup game. Now, we know about the magic of the cup and everything can expose the virtues of that, but there's something special about the McCallum Cup, just the, the prestige and the history that it has over the years. Oh, yeah, yeah. well, I suppose a lot depends on where, you're, where you are in your league too. Yeah. Like if you're having an indifferent league and things are not going well, some players lose interest. And then when a cup comes around, we'll say, well, we have a chance here. So they, they're fired up for it. But uh, look, whatever keeps them out on the field, that's all that matters. And in terms of the draw today, we know that Dean Celtic, Freshford, Freebooters B, Bridge and Light of Fort Rangers, they had boys in the last round. Uh, can you expect any boys in, in this round or anything like that? Uh, no, no boys in this round. Six, uh, last 16 just uh, comp- just the three uh, I think the three teams have to play tomorrow there's yeah, 19 teams 19 and 16 teams. 16 wanted so there's two either it'll be, it'll be Evergreen A or New Park Canises or Lions Evergreen B or Clover that's the way it'll be lovely so there's the game still going ahead tomorrow is it? Yeah, they're going ahead tomorrow it should be yeah. a good game to watch tomorrow yep. Canises and the Lions 
Yeah, we're looking forward. We'll do the draw there now, Pat. You're speaking off mic. If you could just look at that microphone right there, <laughs> if you can hear yourself in the background. <laughs> okay. Now I'm right. Now you sound beautiful, sir. That's great. Absolutely okay. beautiful. So, so I let you do the. I let you do the, the home, and I do the away. Just like the last time. Is that okay? Yep. So I can't be accused of. <laughs> we get an Arma Villa versus Castle Warren game going now. No, we played no. each other in the friendly not so long ago. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that friendly, but that's still. Friendly. <laughs> you give us a go ahead, John. Yeah, welcome here. Right, so I'm reaching my hand into this Liverpool bag, which breaks my heart, but at the same time, I have come out with number 15. And number 15 is Dean Celtic B. Dean Celtic B, they're coming off a victory over Thomastown B. Number seven, John. The number seven is Brookville. Brookville, a great fight two victory against River Rangers. Not much travelling there. So it's Dean Celtic against Brookville, the first round of McCalman or the second round of McCalman Cup. Now I have number nine in my hand. Number nine is Armand Villa. Oh Armand oh, Villa. Now number three. That's when I'm writing here. Number three is Fort Rangers oh at Division 1 match and Fort Rangers will be fresh as well they got a buy in the Divisional Cup and in the McCallman Cup so the first team there's third team that I have out here is number 10 number 10 is Evergreen A or New Park United Evergreen A or New Park United that game's still to be played playing number 5 I'll just get it down here in case there's any questions Number five is Bridge United. Bridge United. So they'll play Evergreen A or New Park. That game playing in Evergreen Park this weekend, I believe. Yeah, that's right. That's on tomorrow. Number 12. Number 12 is Evergreen C. Evergreen C. Play number eight. Play Thomastown United A. Thomastown United A. So, Evergreen C coming off a 3-0 win against Tolerone. I have number four. Number four is Freebooters B. Freebooters B. So, they had a buy in the last round. Not playing number 14. Number 14... Castle Warren Celtic oh I'm pitting my wits against Shawnee Dial once again and I have to talk to him I'm going to give him a slag when I bring him back (laughs) Mystic Mac over here number one number one Dean Celtic A Dean Celtic A they had a bye in the last round play number 16 play Evergreen B or Clover United that game still to be contested Evergreen Park and they're going over with all the home games they were getting there for a while yeah trying to find a position to get him played in Uh, they have enough pitches out there anyway (laughs) Uh, number 11 number 11 is Highview Athletic Highview Athletic play number 6 play the one they were all waiting Freebooters A Freebooters A so Highview against Freebooters A Highview coming off a 1-0 victory over Evergreen 46 Freebooters a 4-0 victory over Stonyford the final ones then number 2 Freshford Town Freshford Town Great side This must be uh, St. Candice Number 13 Must be St. Candice's or 
I'd be shot if it's not. Or lines. It actually is, his St. Canis's. <laughs> so that's a Division 2 clash. All those three sides contesting the top of Division 2 as well. So St. Canis's and Lanes will be going away to Freshford Town to finish off the second round draw of the McCalmont Cup. John, if you just want to go through them once again, if anybody's just listening in. Right, the last 16 is Dean Celtic B versus Brookville. Dean Celtic Arm- B. Yeah. Armand Villa versus Fort Rangers. Evergreen A or New Park United versus Bridge United. Evergreen C versus Thomastown United A. Freebooters B versus Castle Warren Celtic. Dean Celtic A versus Evergreen B or Clover United. Highview Athletic versus Freebooters A. And Freshford Town versus the winners of St. Canis's or the Lions. Them three teams just can't get away from it. Yeah, there's some nice draws in there. Um, with I think Lions and Canis's are they going up against each other in the divisional cup as that's well? That's right, yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and, some, some and good. The three are still yourself and the two Canis's and Lions are still involved in the. Leinster play it, yeah. play it which has been played on Easter, Easter Sunday Easter Sunday haven't got a draw yet yeah, but uh, that's when that's been played some interesting ties there uh, for sure yeah. um, it's going to be when, when are you expecting for the fixtures to be played yeah, as I was explaining to, you, to your own manager our secretary Parik it all depends on results um, generally I would have been hoping to play them all next week that's not going to happen if freebooters as we hope get a result today in Balbriggan well Booters will be playing uh, New Oak in that competition again next Sunday so that rules them out I think Evergreen are playing on Easter Sunday year, a couple of years are playing on, on Easter Sunday and then there's one or two clubs that had a weekend a request so look I'll just have to sit down and work them out and what I'll be trying to avoid is anyone having to play a midweek game in the cup but look uh, as it works out that's the way it'll be yeah I was because uh, Shawnee mentioned that, that he expects maybe Booters to be playing Wednesday, Saturday or Wednesday, Sunday they kind of expect Premier that to division, go yeah, yeah. The, the Premier is the only one that I expect to have any games midweek in the league but uh, the, the Booters I think have five games left so just to get out of the way yeah. but, uh, the other ones are down to two and as the teams get knocked out of the, the cup competitions uh, Sunday's open up so Starts look, open we'll keep up, your yeah. fingers crossed that mm-hmm. there won't be too many because it's hard on clubs to play midweek yeah certainly is and we do kind of tested the divisional cup we played a midweek against uh, uh, Freebooters in the final last year it was it was, it was was nice to be able to play out in the in the sun as the weather and the, the days get longer and stuff but there's some great ties in there for sure uh, Dean Celtic A against Evergreen B or Clover United Dean Celtic yeah. B against Brookville Armagh Villa versus Fort Rangers Evergreen A or New Park versus Bridge United Evergreen C versus Thomastown A Freebooters B versus the mighty Castle Warren Celtic Highview Athletic versus Freebooters A and Freshford Town versus St. Canis's or Lions that's yeah. a, that second last game there is a very interesting game yeah. because Highview at home playing a Freebooters team that possibly could be showing yeah. signs of tiredness or injury and after all their competition you know it, it, it levels out the, the field Certainly, and uh, Dean, Dean O'Broder is doing a great job yeah. out there as well you know magnificent things Highview were always capable of uh, a shock down in Greg Lamella. It's not an easy place to go to. No, it's a, and it's a, it's a really nice pitch. They've done some amazing works out there over the past few years. And from a Castle Warren perspective, you're quite envious of seeing such a, a rural place do amazing things out there. 
Yeah, well, we have. There are, some of the clubs have some fa- fantastic facilities. I know we Evergreen are the only one with all weather, mm. but uh, a lot of clubs have put in some some fantastic some fantastic mm-hmm. um, work into into things like Clover, Thomastown, Callan, places like that. There, there is a lot of, of work being done at ground level, and long may it last. Yeah, long may it last. So possibly we'll f- we'll be expecting to find out the fixture. I know it's not an envious task, but generally KDL on the ball with the fixtures going up on the website. You'll have a bit of work to do this weekend, I'm sure, but. Should it be Monday when teams are expecting, or indeed Sunday night It'll sometimes? Be up, be up Sunday night as well. The Celtic and Brookville will go ahead on next weekend. Armandville, Ford Rangers, Evergreen Sea, and Thomastown. They can all go ahead. Dean uh, Celtic, no, that, that one. Dean Celtic A and Evergreen B, our Clover. That, that possibly will be okay for next weekend. Highview hopefully won't be. And uh, Freshford and Canis's Lions. Yeah, the possibility that most of them will go ahead next weekend. We just have to sit down and, and, and have a look at them. Well, gentlemen, thanks very much for coming in. Uh, another successful draw there, and no doubt we'll be speaking to you again as we look to make the next round draw. Hopefully, Castle Warren is in it, and from your perspective, Arma Villa is in it, and that's not to slag off Freebooters B or, or, or Fort Rangers Fort indeed. Fort Rangers. But absolute gentlemen for joining me. Thanks very much. Colours will always come to the top. <laughs> <laughs> thank you much, uh, Once again, thanks to KCLR for the sponsorship of the competition. Absolute a pleasure. Hopefully, we'll get some uh, full match commentary there at the final as well I could be on the sidelines or I could be in the stands doing the commentary oh, myself we'll have, we'll have a good spot yeah. for you <laughs> not giving yourself any chance to stand on the sideline managing uh, well that's what I mean that's what I mean Robbie, Robbie uh, Dowling will get us over the line the angry young man but once again go to scoreline.ie if you want to see that full list and the full draw Dean Celtic B versus Brookville Armand Villa versus Fort Rangers Evergreen A or New Park versus Bridge United Evergreen C versus Thomas Town A, Freebooters B versus Castle Warren Celtic, Dean Celtic A versus Evergreen B or Clover United, Highview Athletic versus Freebooters A, and Freshford Town versus St. Canis's or Lions. Carlos Stan Brennan joined us on Saturday to talk about Ireland's Four Nations win. Welcome back to Scoreline. Now joining me on the line, Carlo Man Stan Brennan, who helped Ireland claim the inaugural Four Nations Foot Golf Tournament at Pocock uh, two weekends ago. Was it last weekend? I think either or, but no doubt he's probably still celebrating. Stan, how are you getting on, sir? Not too bad, Stan. Yourself? Not too bad. Thanks very much for taking the call. We were talking to Carl no, Jenkinson uh, before the Foot Golf Tournament. He could tell that he was buzzing for it, and no doubt now coming away with a victory, you still probably are. Yeah, like it was too was, but uh, St. Patrick's weekend, but yeah, it was great, so it was. And then like, just like uh, to be part of an Ireland team that won that Four Nations, it must have been quite special. Yeah, um, and Scotland were obviously, they were, well, it was obviously, but they were far favourites kind of going into it, sort of so to get the win over them in the final was great because they beat us the, the day before in the group stage, and we turned them over then in the final, thank God. And you turned them over, like the final, it was a draw. But it went to penalty putts. It was yeah, ease all yeah. penalty putts. Like how nervy of an affair was that? And did you step up to take one yourself? I put my hand forward. I wasn't picked, so, <laughs> <laughs> so at, least put, at least I put my hand forward. I suppose. Uh, but no, it it looked like it, an easy enough putt, I suppose. But it wasn't. It was one of them putts. The, the the weight had to be dead perfect. If it was a little bit left, it was just veering completely. And same on the right hand side. So unless it was dead down the middle at the right pace, it was going to veer off. And like there was only there was nine penalty putts taken. There was only one for the god. Oh, okay. And that was the yeah. obviously the win and one saw. 
it was, yeah, I suppose there's a bit of nerves as well, like, that you have to factor in as well, like, but, um, yeah, thankfully one of our lads sunk it. Now, you mentioned that the loss to Scotland in the first game, but then you defeated England yeah. and Wales to make the final. How important was that third win? Uh, n- not just to make the final, but to build confidence ahead of the meeting with a team that had just beaten you. Yeah, so on the Saturday we played Wales, we won that one, and then we played Scotland in the afternoon on the Saturday, they beat us. So it kind of all came down to the game against England on the Sunday morning. So the winner of that basically just got into the final. Now, we, we started well and we kind of continued on. I think we won it about 11-6 maybe, I think it was, or 11-7. Um, it's kind of one of them type of games or it's fine margins, you know, that kind of a way. Like, we even had Scotland in the final. It was a draw with nine all, I think. But on another day, it could have been 12-6 to Scotland and another day, it could have been 12-6 to us. But the games were that close, so there were some of the games were going down to the 18th hole and stuff like that. And we mentioned this was the inaugural tournament. Is there any hopes that the event will be a regular occurrence in the coming years? Yes, We're not going to go pure World yes. Cup and do it every no. four years, no? <laughs> no, it'll definitely happen. It'll either be every year or every second year. I'd say it'll probably be every second year because that's the fact that there's a World Cup on next year. Yeah. It'll probably be a, a bit much on that, but expensive kind of do a World Cup and the Four Nations. So will you be expecting to go across the, the, the Irish Sea then to be doing it in England, Wales or Scotland or is yes, it going to be held in Ireland? That's the way. It, every, four, no, every, every year it'll be a different country then. So in the over three years' time, so it'll probably be like Wales maybe next year, then England, then Scotland, and then back to Ireland again. And you'll have foot golf uh, centres no doubt bidding on it as well coming up yeah. after, after it explodes even more than it has. Please God. Um, are the new tour is starting this month in Kildare? Yeah. Is there a real excitement about that amongst the foot golf community? Tomorrow, tomorrow week, yeah, there is. Especially after the win, a lot of lads are really e- eager to get back. Uh, and I suppose it's a bit different for us for the fact that we were on the squad. Um, we've kind of been constantly kind of playing, practicing here and there, stuff like that. Whereas the lads, other lads have just been doing their own small. But for them to get back to kind of, well, for them to see us kind of playing for Ireland has given them a real buzz. And the fact, the fact that we won it as well has created a great little buzz in our WhatsApp group. And uh, I, I seen there recently. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but have the two folk off associations united this year? They have. Yes, yeah, so there's one tour finally. Oh, and what, <laughs> the last year. What, what would be the reasoning behind that now? The reason that there is only one tour now, or yeah, like that, the, that the two associations have united. I suppose just to kind of unite the country, I suppose, uh, because there is there was there was some very good players on both sides, you know, kind of a way like, and when we were going to competitions, I suppose in Europe and that countries weren't seeing the best the best teams, so we kind of eventually put differences aside from both sides, and we we managed to get a merger together this year, so which is great. So this year, I suppose, on our tour, like last year, for argument's sake, like. We might have had forty lads at a competition, and the other the other, um, the other association had thirty. Whereas this year now we might have sixty five lads at every single competition, which is fantastic. Like oh great, yeah. Uh, the tour is that part of now the qualification process for the World Cup? It is, yeah. So there'll be nine events, nine tour events, and then an Irish Open as well. So it'll probably be your best six out nine events, and then the Irish Open you'll have to play in that one. Your score ought to be counting that one. And then, so, yes, yeah, so the best six seven nine Irish Open and qualify for Irish team. Now, one of my earliest soccer, soccer memories is uh, World Cup 94 over in the States. This World Cup is going to be held in Orlando next year, so you're yeah, going to be one. hoping for uh, somewhat of a repeat performance from the Irish or even going further than they did. Ah, please God, yeah, it'll be great crack, so I would. Um, so, what'll happen is they'll just kind of, they'll have two golf courts. They'll probably be about, I think I've seen the numbers there recently, or something like... 1,400 players, so there's 850 men, and then you have some seniors and females as well. So it's coming about 850 to 900 men 
playing in it. Yeah. And where, where do Ireland rank then in this? Because we know over in the States they take up kind of uh, a lot of... There, there's so many people that there's so many people to take up, as some people might say, minority sports or a neat sport. How, where, where would the States rank in the world rankings and indeed where do Ireland rank? There's not really a world ranking per se. So what happened is when you go to the World Cup, uh, you could have 33 different countries. Yeah. So some countries might have uh, 30 men at it. Some countries might only have six men at it. So what it'll be is your best four scores out of how many players you have. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you have six, six players, it'll be your best four scores, basically, how many, whatever many players you have. And then... You will rank after, I think it's after the first two rounds of singles, you will rank somewhere from 1 to 16. So some countries actually won't make the team event. And in the top 16 teams, basically, what it'll be 1 against 16, 2 against 15, it'll be a straight knockout. All right, cool. And yeah. you, you, I know that there is some type of ranking system, is there within the Irish setup? Yes. Uh, you, there you, is, yeah. You'd be quite high on that ranking. So just because you're quite high, is it possibly even first or second? Correct me if I'm wrong, but because you're so high. Are you expected now to qualify or is it almost even automatic that you qualify or do you still have to go through no, the no, same process as everyone else? Qualify, yeah, no, I still have to qualify. Yeah, look, I came second last year, right? I suppose the fellow that came first is, is uh, he's, he's, he's good bit ahead of everyone, so he is. The gap between second and maybe tenth is very small. Right. So, like, myself and the tenth player would be very similar. I just kind of started off very well last year and probably why, how I end up coming second. You probably have a gap then from ten to twenty would be very similar as well. After twenty, then lads are probably they're kind of a lot of new players. That type of thing, lads are still improving and just getting used to the game still. Uh, we were talking to Paul Cummins there, and he was talking about his hockey team, and he has uh, uh, many Kilkenny Storm players going over to Buenos Aires to compete in hockey and yeah. the funding that is involved in something like that you know as a minority sport he would classify them as it, it's hard to get funding off the government uh, going over yeah. to the United States is going to cost money where does that come from is it self-funded is there a yeah. government backing or anything like that no not at the minute no there is none I think you have to wait X amount of years before you can apply to Sport Ireland to try and get a grant so yeah for the World Cup next year it'll all be self-funded unfortunately so if me and Robbie throw in a few quid we can get a scoreline funded uh, World Cup out here or something yeah 100% <laughs> you'll have to wear a big picture of me though on the back uh, if people are uh, interested in getting involved now obviously the World yeah. Cup is, is quite a big thing to be hoping and setting your aspirations on so quickly but if people want to get involved if their interest has been piqued by the coverage or just seeing the tremendous work that has been done by the Folk Off Association online in promoting the sport how can they yeah. get involved? Literally just get in touch with any of our social media pages or just get in touch with myself anyone at all you know what I mean? like the lads are really friendly they're really helpful so they are um, just another thing I suppose on that, on that World Cup there is um it's kind of a ranking, so X amount of players are going to go to him. But there is one last spot that, that we're doing at it, which is going to be like a match play, a match play at the end of the year. So it's for any player that participated in six of the events and the Irish Open that hasn't qualified. Just say if there is fifteen players, there's seventeen players in total going to work. So just say six, there's sixteen spots for the ranking, and then one last spot for the match play. So you could have someone that ranks sixty fifth on our tour. And that will play six tour events and Irish Open, and then comp- can compete in that match play and potentially get that last spot. Because match play is completely different; it'll probably be played over like six or seven holes. Do you know, kind of a way. So a wild card, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Genuinely, and it really can be anyone's game. 
Could be Robbie. Robbie's smiling there now. He's, Robbie, a, good, he's yeah, a good boot on him. You know what? He's, he's a good player. He really is. <laughs> uh, Stan, thanks for taking the call. Anyway, wishing out about the best. No doubt we'll be following your journey up along the way for World Cup qualification but we wish you nothing but the best always a gent to talk to us here really appreciate it alright Sam mind yourself have thanks, a good day. thanks very much Stan Brennan there yeah, ladies and gentlemen after coming off a victory with Ireland in the Four Nations Paul Stown under 18 boxer Emma Keaton was up next she has a big European Championship to look forward to with Ireland I hear that you're travelling at the moment I was talking to Ollie O'Neill yesterday he was saying you might be heading up to Dundalk is it? Yes I am I'm heading up to Dundalk for my training camp for the week and the, so the training camp what, what, so if you're up there for the week what does that in, exactly entail Emma? So what we'll be doing is we'll be staying in like a hotel or a B&B we'll be getting like our breakfast and our meals and then we'll be going to the camp and we'll be doing three sessions a day just to build up our fitness and our stamina um, for the European Oh, so it's almost like you're training like a professional now. Yes, it is. And are you with? I have are, coaches. Are you are you with Team Ireland then at the moment? Is it? No, I'm not. I'm not with them yet. I'm my father's driving me at the moment. No, I I mean, will you be training with them then for the for the coming week with Team Ireland? Yeah, I will. It, so it'll be all the high performance coaches and all the team members on the team who are going to the European well, I'll be training with them for the next week that's incredible especially at such a young age um, uh, when did you start yeah. getting involved in, in boxing and when did you know that you were able to pack a punch um, when I was it was in first year so I was about 12 when I started boxing when I was oh. I started it in first year because my sister started boxing so so you were just following along uh, as well, but you ended up being quite uh, clinical when it came to uh, boxing in itself. How much did you learn from Paulstown Boxing and from the likes of Ollie? Of course, they have great history. They have an Olympian there with Darren. Aiden was a good boxer who recently announced his retirement there. How much did you learn from a local perspective before you went on to this international stage? Oh, everything. Like it was literally, they're literally the main reason why I'm here. Like without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. They're brilliant. All the coaches and Ollie O'Neill and Paulson Boxing Club, all of them, they're just all amazing. Like, but I would, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah, we, we love everything that Ollie is doing. He's a regular contributor here at Scoreline, an absolute gentleman as well to boot. Uh, getting on Team Ireland is no easy feat. Obviously, you're putting in a lot of training uh, in Paulstown, but you're going to have to prove yourself on a competitive level as well. So how did you end up getting recognised? Was there champ- national championships and stuff that you had to even qualify for the Team Ireland team or how did you get there? Yes, so back in the late um, January, early February, I had uh, under-18 championships, um, championships and I won that. So because I won that then, I was then picked as a member of the Irish team and we went up training every Saturday and then they then, because of the training, they picked me to be on the team for Team Ireland. That's amazing. And is there many within the camp now that you'll be training with? No doubt you'll be eat, sleep and drinking boxing for the next while. It definitely helps to be around other enthusiastic young people who just want to progress in the sport. Yes, there will. There's um, 33 of us, and that's not including coaches, but there's 33 people who are going to be there training for the week. Wow. And the European Championship then in itself, when is that happening and where is it going on? So that is the 12th of April. It's the 12th of April till the 22nd of April. And that is going ahead over in Bulgaria in Sofia. 
Wow, that must feel like they, even just hearing that that you're getting to represent Ireland on an international stage in a different country. Your parents, no doubt, are incredibly proud. But do you get the sense of pride in yourself, or because when you're involved in it at such a competitive level, you have to remain laser focused? So, do you sometimes you take able to take a step back and realize, wow, this is this is pretty cool? Yeah, it would. Normally, when you're caught up in the moment, you wouldn't. But then it's when you step back from it, like. And how do you prepare then against international opponents? I suppose when you're on the national circuit, you might be aware of other people, you might have heard them, you may have seen them in different competitions. At an international level, at a young age, you mightn't be aware of who you're going up against, especially in the next round, the next round. So is it more that you just focus on your own game or is there scope there to be able to sound out your opponents beforehand, know what they like to do, know that they like to leave with a jab or anything like that? No, there's not. You just train as hard as you can, give your all into it, and then whoever's in front of you across that ring is whoever's in front of you. Just give it your all. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, you're on a, a strict regime, no doubt. With that comes a strict diet, I'm sure. How are you able to maintain that kind of diet at such a young age and be so disciplined? What what keep, What's your motivating factor here? To train it and just to be able to get where I am today. Like, the dieting is a big, massive part of it and your fitness as well. But because I train so much and it's such intense training, my, like, I'm, once I just watch my weight and watch what I'm eating, I'm okay. Like, it's not, but it does come, it's a big factor in it. And seeing then the likes of, you know, Casey Taylor going on and doing amazing things for, for Ireland and not just Ireland but for the sport of boxing and then you have Kelly Harrington coming away and doing more amazing things on an Olympic level Does, is it heartening to see because in 2020 it was announced as the year for the woman if you can't see her you can't be her obviously that was curtailed by the pandemic not a lot was going on Casey Taylor of course was still fighting but when you seen that maybe from a younger age when you were 12 when you took it up it, it, and seeing how revered they are within the sporting community does that help drive you on as well oh it does massively because it's all it was all about the male boxes but because of Katie Taylor and Kelly Harrington all the upcoming boxes it's just amazing it just encourages all the young girls massively and if you had to pick Katie or Kelly and they were in the ring together who would you pick I suppose I would probably they're both both of them are amazing boxes but I probably would pick Katie Taylor and I but they're both amazing boxers and they're a massive like most basis for young girls in the boxing generation. Davy Jones is here now to expouse the virtues of fitness. Mr. Davy Jones, if you've been following along my own fitness journey on scoreline.ie, you'd be well acquainted with him, or if you've been listening in the past few weeks, well acquainted with the man, the myth, the legend. Davy, how do I find you this evening? Good now, Shane. I'm uh, just chilling out at home here now for the evening now, and that's about it. A bit of a deload day, anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Davy, I wanted to talk to you uh, about the concept of supersets. Uh, supersets is when you do one if if I'm wrong now explain it to me but supersets is when you do one exercise and immediately go into a different exercise I've been quite acquainted with this recently it's particularly on a chest and back day so you would do a chest exercise immediately into a back exercise maybe a, a kind of a, a chest press into a row or something like that um, what are the benefits of something like supersets and 
the main benefits is, is um, any imbalances in your body. So a lot of people kind of uh, will focus on one movement or the similar sort of movements, uh, like a push movement, like an anterior movement, like you're just saying for your chest, shoulders, chin, and doing that and repetitively one exercise after the other after the other, and not really hitting enough back exercises. And that can be bad for your posture, you get some anterior tilt in your shoulders and stuff like that. So the second benefit then would be more calories burnt. So basically being able to do more exercises, more sets, more reps without burning out because we're, we're changing exercises, like you said, and changing your muscle groups each time so our body won't burn out as much. And number three is great. It's kind of great for beginners to get in and advanced people, but great for beginners to start doing because, like I just said, that whole thing of burning out and muscle endurance is a big thing. And, you know, like I said, starting from scratch, not not favoring one, one muscle group over the other. And it's, it's an all-around, even not just for beginners, for advanced people, it's, it's a great way of training. And it's interesting that you mentioned the balance of going from, say, chest into a back because it's a push and kind of pull exercise. And I've, over the years, you, you meet different people that train different ways. And some people, when they're training, just have a push day, so which means getting the weights away from your body, whereas other people would have a, uh, or they go a push day and then the next day it'd be a pull day where they're pulling the weights towards them. So an example of a push would be chest press, shoulder press or anything like that. Example of a pull would be the likes of a, of a row or something like that. Uh, it, is that something that you have ever trained in? Is it something that you discourage, encourage, or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, no, my thoughts on that would be just be more for advanced people, really, like, you know, focusing just on one muscle group, you know, at a time. And that's kind of the, the reason, the main reason why we do the kind of more superset things is, is you get more kind of bang for your buck when you're in the gym. So you have an hour and you want to train intensely for your hour, you want to. You know, get all the right things done basically, and by just doing one muscle group and you know spending an hour doing that is, you know, in my eyes you could do a hell of a lot more with your hour, get more calories burned, break down more muscle tissue, get fair, get stronger. I mean, get a lot more work done that if you were to double up exercises. And I know people are thinking, oh, he's, you know, that's all well and good him saying that he's fitting up strong to do, but everyone can do this um, in the sense of. When the rates the weights are correct for the people, everyone can do it. And uh, you mentioned just there uh, a second of calories. Um, burning calories when you're doing weights or, or lifting weights, can you expect to burn a lot? Because I might have my watch on me for the hour that we're training and it says, oh, well, we've burnt 400 calories. And then I hear other people go, no, you don't actually burn that many calories when you're, when you're lifting weights. But it all, it's all lined up with the heart rate. For an hour session, say, with yourself, like, can you be expecting to burn a lot of calories doing a, a weight session? Yeah, well, you would, and it's just another thing depends on your fitness levels and exactly what you're lifting and how many sets and reps you're doing and jump. All these variables come in. Uh, the watches, I don't, to be honest, I don't really believe in them myself, like, but they're a rough guys, you know, they're not, they're not completely wrong, but they're a rough guys, and all you have to do is compare it towards your last session and say, if it's if it's not right, it doesn't make a difference as long as you're doing more than the last time, that's all that matters. And, yeah, you, you, the thing about weight training is, it's not just the calories you burn when you're in there for your session. Mm. It's calories you burn after because weights, breaking down muscle tissue through weights will speed up your metabolism up for, for days after, you know, after your session. While cardio sessions won't do, won't have that same effect because your body's recovering after the muscle breakdown from the weights and your metabolism sped up for a couple of days after. While with cardio, maybe it's just a couple of hours, maybe eight to ten hours as well. It's interesting that you said that because... I went into such a calorie deficit before when I was trying to lose the weight that 
since I've been with yourself uh, and you're saying that this is the calories that I should be eating to maintain it, I've started to kind of upper my calories and I've noticed that my weight has generally stayed the same despite kind of consuming more food than I when I was big, if you get me. I would pr- it's probably maybe the same um, kind of food intake or calorie intake of when I was big, but my weight has stayed the same. I haven't shot up in weight. Was that because of your metabolism kicking in? Is, is that a thing? Exactly, yeah, and it's just your workload as well, Shane, through the weeks. Like, you're, you're burning a hell of a lot more calories now than you've ever burned. Like, do you know what I mean? Your sessions are tough, and, and that's it. Like, you, and your body composition has changed. So you have more muscle mass now and less fat, and that's like your metabolism, your engine needs more fuel. Like, and, you know, the leaner a person is, the higher their metabolism is, and, you know, the more fuel they need for that. I'm going over there now, I think we're on week 13, and I have never had an exercise that I disliked more than the single leg day pre- or leg press. <laughs> uh, it made me nearly cry at the thought of going over there the other day. Not to say that you're not encouraging and lovely, just the actual, the, 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 how difficult it is to, to, for me to be able to do it. And I realised when I was doing the hamstring curls after it, after I, I, I was genuinely retching that, just having the relief in my body and the endorphins going around my body because I wasn't putting the pressure on my leg. And it was something that hit me kind of like a brick wall. I was like, why, why am I so scared of this machine? Uh, and then I realised it's because I'm not good at it. It's because I'm from it. I've never done it before. And it's something very new and very foreign to me. And it's because I'm not able to lift heavy or because I'm not able or I'm doing it to failure when I should be reaching max reps or anything like that. And I genuinely can't push my leg anymore. And that's why I realised I was so scared by it. Do you find that with a lot of people that are looking to start out their fitness journey? They're just genuinely kind of scared at the thought of not going in. And it could be possibly because they don't feel that they're going to be any good at it or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. It's a very, very daunting thing to start any sort of fitness journey, especially if people are looking to lose weight or they haven't done any sort of gym work before. Or, you know, some people are might be a bit older, they could be over the 50s or over, so like that, they haven't done anything. It's very daunting to come in, like, and that's what we try to push with everyone is, you know, everyone's in, in our gym is um, in the same boat and trying to get fitter and stronger. No one's, you know, no one's better than anyone else, and everyone's doing the same thing. And like here, I've exercised. I'm doing this ten years. And I've exercises that I don't like doing every week, and but I know they're going to benefit me. So I get them done, and that's it. And you know, sometimes when people start as well, there's exercises that maybe they can't really do. Like you know, you found that 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 machine very hard chain, and it just you know a little bit of a weakness, or whatever it be. And you know, in a few weeks' time or a month's time, it'll be a different story. You know, you will be a lot more able for it. And there's certain exercises that people literally can't do at the start, and then as the weeks go along, they can do. You know, and that, that's that's a great feeling once you realise you can do these things. It's practice makes perfect. The old adage that never ring, never doesn't ring true, but it just kind of hit me like that because, you know, when you're talking to somebody that may be struggling with the weight, and it might be easy just to say, "Well, go to the gym." Why don't you just go to the gym? But there's a lot of different factors that step in that way. There's anxiety that people suffer, uh, fear of being judged when they're going into a gym and, and that different thing. And it, it, it's just about kind of letting people know that there it, it is a very open space and an open area for progression. You're not going to be very good when you start. You're not going to know anything. I was going to the gym for years and realized that I knew nothing before. And every day is a learning day in there. So it's a nice, encouraging environment for people that are looking to shed pounds, that are looking to build muscle. 
it's a very good thing to do once you get them in the door and it's about getting them in the door and getting them over that fear yeah there's a lot of people like that drone training with us now and they said oh, if I had my time back I would have started 10 years ago or this time or other but you know if there's anyone out there looking to start and they're, they're very nervous about starting they're very conscious about themselves or anything like that you know what we offer is totally different than any other gym but we're doing mostly one-to-one with people and we're with that person all the way through the session do you know what I mean there's no guesswork involved so there's nothing they're never going to be asked of something you can't do do you know what I mean or they want to get assistance all the way with your with your training, with your food, with, with everything. Like you know, any sort of fitness advice we can give you, lifestyle advice, and all that stuff can be very important. I remember when I started, I found it very hard as well. You know, and no nobody nobody starts at the top. Everyone has to start somewhere. You're kind of near the top now in in your field of strong man. Uh, you're mentioning you might have a competition coming up in the summer. Is it? Yeah, have uh, UK Strongest Man now in June, first week of June. So, yeah, that's what I'm training for now at the moment. Unfortunately, I have a nice bat ahead of me now later on to get ready for all this. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I heard a nice bath, and then I was like, "No, this is Davy. It's an ice bath." He has a ice bath. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> not not a nice bath. No. And if you've never seen him, check it out on Instagram, Davy Jones Fitness. The the you you get these ice blocks imported, is it or? No, I just freeze them here at home with a massive freezer that I freeze 40 kilos of uh, blocks of ice and I put in four or five of them usually. About nearly 200 kilos of ice and in on a Thursday, Friday night and it's in over the weekend and, and, and it makes the water down to about two or three degrees and yeah, have a sauna here, jump into the sauna after that and a jacuzzi and then repeat the process three or four times and yeah, hopefully not be a sword in after. And, uh, and just before we go, the benefits of an ice bath. I tried to throw a few ice co- cubes in the bathtub, but I couldn't stay in it for longer than thirty seconds. Like, what? What's, what's the benefit of it? What? Where, where's the uh, your muscles getting the kind of rest and relaxation from? Because it's not a genuinely nice experience to to go through. No, it's not. No, and it's, it's something that needs to be worked on, and you know, it takes a long time. And I'm doing it three or four. Days a week, um, every week, you know, with, with a few years now at this stage. But, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, the, it's just hard to do when it takes a while and, you know, build it up, do two minutes the first day and, and you know, a few weeks' time, then try two, three minutes, whatever it be. But, um, yeah, the benefits of be reduces any sort of swelling around your joints or anything like that, reduces inflammation in your muscles. Basically helps you recover in a faster state so you can you can train harder, if that makes sense. And, uh it's really, really, really good for uh, mental health as well. It really helps you relax. I know it sounds, it sounds mad sitting in an ice bath helps you relax, but it's like it releases loads of endorphins in your in your brain once you get out of that um, situation where you could get hypothermia potentially. And you know, it, it releases loads of endorphins in, in your brain. It makes you feel brilliant. Um, There's a guy called Wim Hof there. If you look him up on YouTube, and he's really big for. Um, ice bath and it brings down your blood pressure and all these um, amazing benefits to it well no doubt I'll be seeing you Tuesday Davey if people want to see your, you uh, like getting in that ice bath I'm sure or if they want to see any of the training that's going on in Davy Jones or indeed get in contact about getting some training done for themselves where can they get in touch Davy Jones Fitness on Instagram Facebook and yeah, can hit up hit up with a message. Anyone have any uh, messages about anything to do related to uh, fitness or nutrition or anything like that? Just ask us questions, and we happy to answer. Love getting to talk to Davey. You can follow that journey on Scoreline.ie. Josh Ian was now our last but not least.
The phenomenal weekend of Greyhound racing action we have this weekend in Kilkenny last night we have the, the beginning of the Blackstone Kennels A2, A3 competition what a fantastic competition this is and some cracking heats last night let's get straight into the action and take you through each round winners the first round was won very impressively by ring my bell at a price of five to one started very well in early pace told the tale of this race for owner trainer brendan ryan webster in a time of 29 23 taking our first heat in the blackstone kennels a2 a3 the second heat won by perhaps the most impressive performance of the night in a very exciting prospect here for owners who are enjoying a wonderful time at the moment the club of champions syndicate they won the McCallum cup last week with zoom and now they've had a winner with lujano winning in 28.65 at a price of four to five very well supported by punters last night at a very busy kilkenny greyhound stadium look at the clock 28.65 and lujano will surely be favored to go all the way in this year's blackstone kennels a2 a3 competition in kilkenny for of course mert lahey who has had a brilliant night last night. Also, he won Heat 3 with Stories Nugget in a very quick time of 29.07, coming in at a price of 72. Faced a bit of traffic at the first bend, but finished quite well for owner Gavin O'Mahony, who of course leads the Club of Champions Syndicate as well. So he had a wonderful night last night, another one for Murtlahi. And Murtlahi also took the fourth heat with Lemon and Nicky also winning in 29.07 at a price of 4-5 leading from the third bend and driving on home for owner Billy O'Keefe the fifth heat was won by Ratchie's Gift in a time of 29.23 also showing some good early pace at a price of 5-1 to one for owner trainer PJ Peacock and last but not least our sixth heat was won by Rowler's Road in a time of 29.10 showing good staying power and winning for the Liars Club Syndicate what a fantastic name for a syndicate I'm sure there's a few characters in that syndicate and trainer Gary Walsh so that rounds up our action in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium with the Blackstone Kennels A2, A3 and that will continue on next Friday night so sure to be a bumper crowd in Kilkenny wonderful to see the crowds back in full action elsewhere tonight in Limerick Greyhound Stadium we have the continuation of the second round of this year's 2022 Conan and Kirby Memorial 8 heats look forward to here folks 48 cracking greyhounds these are the cream of the crop the best greyhounds owners, trainers, breeders in the country descending on Limerick Greyhound Stadium for this year's second round. 150,000 euro prize money, it's phenomenal prize money and wonderful to see. In the first heat we have big local interest here with Trap 4, Kilgraney Sydney, who won last week in 28-24, owned by Mary Buggy and trained by Thomas Buggy, both from Carlow and they're a fantastic combination and the Buggy Kennel is going quite well at the moment and they have a very, very strong prospect with Kilgraney Sydney. Elsewhere in Heath number three stories Archie another runner for Gavin O'Mahony and Mert Lahey who ran quite well last week to finish third clocking 28.69 he goes some trap sticks in the stripes in the third heat in heat number five Emily's Jet runs for Mooncoin trainer Peter Cronin ran quite well last week clocking 28.72 owned of course by Garrett Williams and Peter Cronin is a very very shrewd trainer indeed he's also in action again in heat seven with Kildare who had its first ever race last week, finishing second, clocking 28.61, and looks a very, very bright prospect indeed. In heat number eight, Droopy's Nice one runs for Mert Lahey as well, and John Coleman, a winner last week in 28.39, a whopping run from Droopy's Nice one. 
and certainly one who looks to go a long way in this competition. Martin Lahey actually has two runners in this heat with Ireland's own running from the orange jacket of Trap 5 for the McLean Avenue Syndicate who finished third last week clocking 28.88 so very very strong local interest in this year's Con and Annie Kirby Memorial. It was a wonderful crowd in Limerick Grayon Stadium last week and as we said 150,000 euro thanks to the generosity of the McManus family. Wonderful sponsorship also they're doing 20,000 euro for the GA Club nominators down there as well so wonderful to see that and very very strong local interest indeed elsewhere it's hard to keep up with the greyhound racing action this weekend there's a lot happening but we're, we're doing our best with the shelburne open 600 semi-finals paul hennessy of course a wonderful greyhound trainer and a wonderful horse trainer as well having had cheltenham festival success last year with heaven help us he has two runners in the open 600 semi-finals in the first semi-final beach avenue runs from trap five and in the second semi-final hello hammond runs from the black jacket of trap four so beach avenue who is a wonderfully ex consistent and experienced greyhound will bid to get to the final here and also hello hammond two very experienced campaigners and hopefully experience will tell the tale as the campaign to get through to the final of this year's Open 600 in Shelburne. So much happening this weekend, folks. Make sure you tune in to all the action on Barking Buzz and GreyhoundRacingIreland.ie. You'll be kept up to date with all the results and the action and get on out to your local Greyhound Stadium as well for the best of the action this weekend. <laughs> And that's Scoreline Extra for this weekend. You can listen to the show live from 2 to 6 every Saturday and Sunday. Until then, stay safe, stay sane.